Welcome back, everybody, to We Are TPM with myself, Kyle Shera, sitting next to John Shera as normal. And today we have our guest, Shanda Pig, with Service First Mortgage. Thank you for coming in, Shanda. Thank you for having me. Of course. If you guys have any questions about anything we discussed today, uh, give us a call, 817-818-9039. Shoot us an email at showmethemoney at wertpm.com. We are here to discuss with Shanda. Uh, She is with Service First Mortgage, but she is also a rental property investor, and we'd like to uh, ask you about your investor journey. Okay. First, we probably ought to point out that you're not on camera, and you're not on camera for a reason, and it's because you've been sick, and we don't we don't want you near us, right? Yeah. Is that... <laughs> I thought it was because I'm hiding from the law. Oh, you know? Maybe go. that's it. I don't know. But, um, yeah. So, Everybody's got their own reasons, yeah. right? Yeah, so if you're wondering, she is in studio. She is right here with us. We're looking at her, and we're talking to her, but she's not on camera. So um, I just um, Steve wanted me to explain that. I guess where we could start with this is with your first rental is always the first one. What what got you into uh, building a rental portfolio? Because the first one is always the best story, right? It is. Yeah. I think you kind of stumble into it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my sister-in-law called me one night and said, guess what? Your brother hasn't made a house payment in over three months. <laughs> and I don't know what we're going to do. What what do we do? And she, you know, because I was doing mortgages, I guess she thought I could straighten something out for them. I'm like, do you have the money to catch it up? And she said, no. I said, well, I mean, there's nothing you can do. Um, So I said, well, you know, you're going to have to sell the house or or they're going to take it. And I said, uh, how much do you think y'all would want for it? And she said, oh, I get, I mean, I think we could probably get what we paid for it. Well, my mom was a real estate agent before that. And it I knew that was a HUD home. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I was like, but y'all paid like 50000 for it. And she said, yeah, no, I think we could probably still get that. And I, my head, I knew it was worth close to 100000 And this was, you know, 25 years ago. And so I was like, and it needed work. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I guess I'll just buy it then. Because I knew in my head, like, that would be dumb to let something like that go. So I was like, okay, how am I going to figure this out? I was twenty. Four probably at the time, maybe no, wow. I might have been twenty five or something. But, wow, that's and awesome. And it was I was single with my daughter was a baby. I'm like, how am I going to do this? I already had my own house. Mm-hmm. So, so, so you owned the home you were living mm-hmm, in. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, how am I going to figure this out? Of course, my mortgage background helps a little bit. This so. is the fun stuff right here. Yeah. How'd you do it? I moved into their house and I rented my house that I owned. So that was a that was a lot of work, but yeah. it was the only way I could even kind of afford a rental property at that time. Um, my plan was really to not stay there because I didn't really like the house that much. But while I was there, I fixed it up. You know, I worked on painting stuff and doing floors and doing things that I could do by my by myself. And then in the meantime, I had told one of my neighbors from my house that I owned. I was like, if you see anything come up for sale or hear of anything around here, let me know. I want to come back. And six months later, she said, guess what? One of the neighbors down the street is losing their house. Do you want to talk to them? I told them you might want to talk to them. And I said, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. They they were losing their house. They had an assumable mortgage, which was amazing. Nice. So I ended up huh. giving them some cash, and then I assumed their mortgage. Yeah. So it. yeah, that was awesome. So back then, that was that was a lot more common, right? So there was a lot it of was investors rare back that then. were. Well, there was there was a lot of investors that were 
that were chasing foreclosures on the foreclosure list, right? Now mm-hmm. you were doing it, you were doing basically the same thing, but you were through word of mouth. Through word right? of mouth, yeah. Instead of chasing it, so to speak. So mm-hmm. I got you. So um let's back up a little bit because we jumped right into her story and I love mm-hmm. it. I love Sorry. I want to hear more about it. But but Kyle, this is one of the more fun things that we do on this podcast is being able to hear the stories of Everyday people that are just like you and me and everybody else that might be listening and how they accomplished what they were accomplished. One of my favorite, Shanda, one of my favorite podcasts we ever did was with clients of ours, um, Kevin and January Seaton, and they've grown their, we call it their empire, just two everyday normal people that have grown their empire to like a hundred doors or something, right? And like, so the point is... We want to be able to show through your story and through stories like that how anybody can do this if you just take some action. Mm-hmm. Not everybody knows what action to take and not everybody's inspired or they're fear-based. They make mm-hmm. fear-based decisions. They're lacking confidence. Lacking yep. confidence. And you had some of the tools that helped you give you that confidence, right? Oh, I was very nervous. Yeah. <laughs> I was very nervous. Yeah, yeah. But I just... I tell people all the time they come to me for help, like, what do I, how do I get this going? And I, I tell them, but most people won't do it because they don't believe in themselves or they don't think they can actually do it. You have to, for me, it was like, I have to trust myself. Yeah, I have to, I put it on paper. I work out the numbers. I do it two, three times. I'm like, how does this make sense? Like, do I not trust myself enough to just do this like what what would be wrong with it when we talk a lot about on this podcast about how how knowledge and experience can help overcome overcome that fear right Mm -hmm. and that's what you're talking about is is while you had the fear still you you had the knowledge to know and that's why we Mm, we talk about things i don't know that that's i would fully say that back in my early 20s i mean i'd been in the mortgage business a couple years but no I, i don't i didn't have the knowledge i never thought I'd have rental properties. That was never even on my mind. It just fell in my lap. Well, there you go. And like I said, I just had to trust myself that this makes sense. If I don't do it, I'm kind of a dummy. (laughs) So I want to go back to um, something that I don't know if I missed it or or if you didn't explain. Something I'm curious about because I'm thinking I'm always in the head of somebody who's listening. It's like, yeah, that happened to me and I didn't know what to do, right? The first house, you owned your own home already. Yeah. You lived in, mm-hmm. right? That's a, a well, first first step I always tell people is to own the home you live in, right? Like right. let's get past that stage, right? Mm-hmm. And then start thinking about our first rental. So you get this opportunity from your sister-in-law. So family calls you, they think that you might be able to help. Do you mind sharing and, and this may be a too personal of a question, so don't be afraid to tell me if it is. How did you manage to to acquire that home, like like, what tools um, did you use to actually yeah. acquire the home? That's a that's a good, and this is advice I give people all the time now. Is I had to move into the property so I could buy it as an owner occupied okay. property because there's no way I could afford a rental property. Okay. To mm-hmm. do a mortgage, you'd have to have twenty percent down to buy it as an investor. So okay. I chose to rent my own house out okay. and then move to theirs so that Great. I could do minimum down payment. We talk about that a lot, yeah, don't we? we talk so, about that all the so time. So you were able to get then like a 3.5% FHA loan type of thing? Is that what you did? Yeah, or I don't remember. 5% what, maybe conventional? Maybe it might have been a conventional. Like that? Yeah. yeah. I love it. That's really smart. Um, and that's, that's why I actually, my first probably four or five, I moved into. 
owner okay. occupied. That, because that's the only way you can start out with hardly anything. And, and that's I what mean, we not talk that you can about have nothing, a lot but. is the combination of these tools and using that that method of a burst strategy because you can you can leverage financing easier when it's primary residence. I mean, you do mortgages, right. you know how there's yeah. they're worlds away from investment property and primary residence financing. Right. Exactly, um, and it's, getting your money back out for renovations. All those things are hard to do without mm-hmm. it being your primary residence. Yeah. So and you know, I did a lot of the work myself, and it's yeah. a lot of work to move, but you know, if you have that kind of motivation to build yourself wealth, then mm. that's, you know, yeah. it's work. hundred percent. I always said I had a, I, I had a, what was I had a cousin that was about your age, that age, the age you were when you started doing this, it used to do that, like move into a home, renovate it. They'd live in it for about a year and just take their time to renovate it. Right. Like you're paying rent somewhere anyways. So you might as well pay rent in your own home that you, while you're renovating it. And then he'd sell it and move on and buy another home, mm-hmm. right? That and was so, my original plan. Yeah. Actually, that was my plan. I was just going to move in there and then sell it and make the money. But once you get in there and you're – for me, I would get in. I put my personal touches on it, paint the color I like, the floors I like. You know, I, I didn't try to put a million dollars into it, but I felt pride in what I had mm-hmm. done. And so it was hard to let it go. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, maybe I'll just rent it for a while because I don't – I'm not ready to let it go yet. That's how come I ended up collecting properties. <laughs> how much this time goes into the should we sell or should we rent? Yeah, conversation yeah. we have all the time. We talk so. about that all the time. And what's the answer? You should rent. You should rent. Yeah. And whenever, whenever you can, you should rent. There's reasons why you shouldn't, but for the most part, we we are an opinion that you should rent. I, I so, agree with that. It's, good. It's definitely done well for me over the years. Good. Um, so. Now I'm curious about, so I'm trying to take this one step at a time so somebody could really follow your journey, right? So now you've acquired this, you've moved into it, you've acquired it, and you're renovating it. I don't know, or maybe you're renovating it or putting your own touches on it. How much time went by between that and and your second opportunity? My third home? Yeah. Six months. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you were inspired at that point. Well, right. no, my neighbor called and said <laughs> people down the street from my first home, um, they were losing it. And so she was like, I told them about you and you want to come talk to them? And I said, yeah. So So I ended up getting that house and moving back to my old neighborhood. You're doing a good job of networking. Yes. Your neighbors know who you are. Mm-hmm. They know what you do, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Like, so you're not afraid to tell, remind your family what you do so they know who to call, mm-hmm. right? So, so yeah. far, you know, like some of the principles here, Kyle, we talk about this. We talk about this with our Orange Beach opportunities, right? Like some of the principles here are just being present and making sure people know who you are and what you do mm-hmm. at all times, right? Yeah. In every aspect of our life. Yeah. And it's it, called you, networking. You bring up a product that we've we've done whole episodes on, talk to people about. Um, so this makes it real for for our listeners is is the assumable loan right <laughs> so these they're about to get foreclosed on so you know it goes to thinking they're behind on it and i i could go into explaining how that works but it, you know that's what you do so do you want to tell us how that taking over of that product can help you save money and acquire this this property there's probably not really any more non-qualifying assumables because they stopped doing those type of loans in 1987 or six, something like that. So by, I mean, 30 years have gone by. Mm -hmm. So those loans are done. So me running into that one was a miracle. Mm -hmm. I actually have run into two of those. Um, And the second one, they only had seven years left on their note. 
So I was I was able wow. to pay that off in less than seven years. Wow. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and but I, I mean, the chances of running into that nowadays? Yeah, but if you know enough. about it, you take advantage, you, you yeah. know, you, you can claim the opportunity. But, but yeah, the, the chance of there being a 30-year, uh, thirty more than 30 years going by since that assumable was an option, mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably been 50 years. So... It's, there's, those are probably not very. Now there are some assumables, but you might have to qualify for them. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's certain types. Of, we talked, Trevor, about how there's certain types of assumables now, but well, they're not yeah. like the old. No, products the, that my they old, have. the old one is yeah. you didn't even have to qualify. You could just send in the paperwork and say, okay, give the mortgage and to catch that up person. their payment essentially, mm-hmm. and you're good to go, and you're yeah. on the house. Yeah, so. that was a non-qualifying. That's assumable. amazing. You know, we talk about subject twos and how you know. You know, technically, you know, there's a there's a, a acceleration clause that the mortgage companies have for that, so that you can't do that, and and that's basically what they what they were doing, right? With these non qualifying, they're basically it's almost the same thing as a subject to, where they're just letting you take take it over, right? Mm-hmm. They don't know who you are, they don't know what you do, they don't know how well you qualify, right? They just yeah, without the risks of a subject right. to the well, more, you mean the yeah. mortgage company? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's what they used to do. Yeah, um. <laughs> without all the risks we've talked about of subject to. Right. So you know, right. it's best of both worlds, which is probably why they don't have that product anymore. Right. right? Exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So now you've got three. You got three properties. You've had two that just come to you through through networking and through your sphere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, tell us more. How 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 does that journey continue? Well, what would you do with the third one? I guess you moved into it. Right? I moved into it. You did mm-hmm. the same thing again yeah fix it up and mm-hmm. all right then what's the next step hmm <laughs> you're starting to get the bug at this point i yeah. mean you you have a couple tenants you know what it's like to have tenants right mm-hmm. you're managing them yourself yeah right mm-hmm. um you're putting the leases together and and you're taking the phone calls for maintenance and all that stuff that people quote unquote talk about you know hating the people like talk about tenants and toilets right and how yeah. bad they are <laughs> um so so you've got two of them now how bad is it at that time psh, i don't even remember but i don't remember it being that bad actually okay good yeah good i mean so we're having a good again, experience so far some of it is just your own how you are personally some yeah. people you know what i'll if if i can buy it here at the store right next door for a thousand dollars but if i go four blocks down the street i can get it for 800 i know people that are like well i'll just pay the thousand because it's right here it's easy i would never do that mm-hmm. i would go out of my way to save a little money um so i don't know where i'm going with this exactly <laughs> but um the repairs or people calling for repairs just just get it get it done get it done it's yeah. not that hard you kind of bring up something we talk about with rent prices, right? You know, people say their taxes and their mortgage goes up and now you need to increase the rents. I'm like, well, the market makes the rents. So if you push it over market, then they're going to go find something cheaper somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. It's probably what you were, maybe what you were getting at. But the same yeah. goes for repairs too, you know? I you think just, I was going more yeah. for like the men, somebody's personality, I okay. think is where I was going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, are you okay to put the work in or yeah. are yeah. you too... Not to be mean, but too lazy to want to put the work in. You'd rather just live your life and, right. you know, paycheck to paycheck, and that's easier. It's definitely easier. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, no one's going to tell you building wealth comes easy. Oh, you no. Know? If no, they are, they're lying to you. It's been a so, lot of work, yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, uh, you, so you, you, I feel like your journey changes as you get to where you're at, right? So, how'd you get to – how'd you do the next few? Were they all the same kind of the next one in and live in again them, was networking. There was a house in the cul-de-sac where my mother lived. Okay. And of course I had my daughter, so 
end up buying that house just because it was next door to my mom. Okay. So that's. You mentioned you were a single mom. How many kids do you have? I have two. Two kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you're still a single mom. You were Mm -hmm. a single mom then. Yeah. And you're still okay. Good. I mean, there's been things in between, but right. Right. Okay. So did you, did you change to the conventional financing part to purchase this one next to your mom? Yeah. You can only have one FHA loan at a time. So. Yeah. Yeah. And did the other other properties help you build up the uh, the money to purchase the the fourth one? Yes. And again, back to my mortgage background, if you rent a property for <clears throat> let me let me back this up. The mortgage company will give you credit for 75% of what you lease it for. Mm-hmm. So, if you lease it for 1000, They'll say, okay, well, we'll give you credit for a $750 to offset your mortgage payment so that now you can qualify for something else. So if you rent it for $1,000 and your payment's $750, that's a zero debt. So now that doesn't affect you from qualifying for more house. Does that make sense yeah. at all? Yeah, we talk about that a lot as well. We talk so, about that all the time. Um, it's about... good to have a mortgage person say it <laughs> independently without us without us coaxing her into it. Yeah. yeah. So I if mean... you that's another reason why I would move into the properties because I could you know, ha- I could qualify for another loan because I had the properties rented. So it was like I didn't even have those mortgages. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we talk about that a lot cuz people it's a common question. It's like, well, 10 houses, how am I going to qualify for 10 mortgages? Well, when you piece them one by one, you know, you, you basically rent it out and get rid of that piece of your qualification. Right. Shanda, how many do you have total? Do you I, mind sharing that with us? I am actually not sure. If you're not sure. <laughs> well, That's a good I'm, answer. I know of, can I share what I know of? Sure, yeah. I, I know that you have at least 11. I want to say 12, actually. I found another one that, that you didn't give me. But, oh. so, but I don't know. You might live in one of them, so I don't know. So my question is... Do you, have you, through all of these, have you been doing this every single time? You've been moving into it? Oh, no, no. Once uh, once I moved next door to my mother, she was my built-in babysitter. Okay. So, That's where you no, stayed. We, we stayed there. I Love mean, it. you know, we've moved in with the next for a while and stuff like that, but... Um, yeah, at that point when she started school, I was like, okay, we're, we're set. This is your school. I don't want to move you from school to school to school. So, yeah. So one of the things I'm sitting here thinking about what people typically, um, are fearful of about doing this, right? Especially at this stage. So I'm thinking about you as a single mom with, um, a couple kids. If you did mortgages at that time, um, you're probably doing pretty well, right? The the market was was decent then and, and was kind of going up from there, right? From that point. So if you were if you were learning the business and you were networking well and doing well, you were probably doing pretty well. So I, I'm I'm thinking about people in their finances, right? They, how am I going to, so we've talked about how you're acquiring them. I love that because that gives people some insight on how you can actually acquire these homes. Mm-hmm. But now in after you've acquired them, I think one of the fears people have is, okay, I got to pay the taxes and the insurance. And, and if my tenant moves out, right, like I'm going to have it vacant. No one's paying me rent. And what if the water heater goes and all these things, right? Mm-hmm. You just start, all these things go through your mind and, and they make home ownership more of a negative than a positive, right? Because mm-hmm. they're only thinking of the negatives. So I guess what I'm asking you is I'm wondering how you overcame that, for one, those natural fears. And two, what what tools did you put – did you put any financial tools in place to help you through that during that time of your life? 
Uh, I made sure I had money saved. Okay. That was important. All right. I had good credit. So I knew if a disaster happened, I could always borrow or put it on a credit card or something at worst case. But I always tried to make sure I had reserve for emergencies. Like a separate account. Yeah. Right? Plus, my rental properties <laughs> actually made money. Yeah. So not only did they pay my mortgage, they also made money. So maybe I made, I don't know, as a guest, let's just say I made $1,000 a month off rentals. Um, that would go into my rental property account. And it would, you know, that's there for that reason. I mean, I could spend it if I wanted to, but it was building up. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. You say that as such a matter of fact thing, but this is what we coach all the time is like, yes. if you treat it that way, it yes. doesn't feel like hits to your personal income all the time. Right. You it's know? a business. Because it yeah. is a business. Mm -hmm. You keep it as a separated business. Now you have 12 properties, for example, making thousands a month, then, yeah. you know, it builds up a lot quicker. So I assume you still have a separate account, Right. Yes, no, maybe. Mm. Okay. Well, personal I'm, questions. I'm asking personal <laughs> questions for a reason, so you don't I, have to. You know to, what? It's weird. But, it's like in the, it's just secondhand now. I got I just, you. Everything is just Everything's easy going kinda, now. Yep, so. I got it. But when it's all tight, when small things going wrong can cause big problems is there at the beginning, right? So that's why it's it's important to put these, these fail safes in place. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is, you know, how I got to where I am now. Yeah. Now it's. I don't, I don't know. I I could buy. I've bought houses where I've just kind of walked through and been like, "Okay, I'll take it." And people are like, "Are you are you crazy?" But I've done this so much. Yeah. It's just <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually it, a great. It it becomes what do they call it? Old hat, right? Yeah. When you when you've done it a few times, we've talked about that. How these decisions and these fears that people have that stop them from making taking action, they go away once you've once you've done it. Once you've been down that road, they go away. And so it's easier to make the de decisions, good or bad, right? You don't mm -hmm. fear the repercussions of a bad decision as much because you've been through it and you know that you can get through that and you can handle it and still win on the other side. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like if you if you put it on paper and it makes sense, you just you just have to trust that what you're doing, that you trust yourself. Yeah. You know, if you tell yourself, like, oh, I can't do it or it's going to be, you know, that's what's going to happen. You have to trust yourself that you're, what you've figured out or what makes sense to you makes sense. I love and, it. And that you can do it. Is it fair to say that the cash flows from the rentals over the years helped you acquire more rentals? Oh, yeah. Of yeah. course, yeah. And, and over time, that compounds yeah. into getting easier, right? You yeah. Know, so. And, you know, once I had, you know, four or five, I thought, oh, wow, if I just keep this going... Let's see, by the time I'm 45, I can have three of these paid off or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I can retire when I'm 50, you know, right. whatever. I, that's, I would think about that all the time. So just brings moving up, toward that. Yeah. Brings up another thing we say. Do you, do you appreciate your appreciation? Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we talk a lot about a lot. how investors like to negate that, that factor of, of building a rental portfolio. It's all about cash flow, right? Well, you were just talking about your first home being a $100,000 house that you bought for $50,000. Do you still own that house? Yeah, I do. You still own that yeah. house? Okay. So, Worth, you know, up to close to 300000 now. Yeah. And where right. is it out? It's like, John, can you go <laughs> yep. find me a $100,000 house today? No, so, no, no, I can't. Find I didn't you. even give you a location. Nope. Yeah, can't and, find you a $50,000 house either. <laughs> Exactly. I've bought plenty of $50,000 houses too and sold them a few years later for double that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the way the world goes, the way these markets go, right? In 10, 15 years, we could be talking about how crazy the $350,000 house is, right? So, yeah. and gets into why. I mean, that's your starter home now. Yeah. Yeah. 
starter homes could be a million in 20 years for all we know. Mm -hmm. So So Kyle, we've talked a lot about this method that she's using and she's really kind of used it to the extreme. I mean, at least for the first four or five houses, right? And then, and then flipping that kind of into a burr method. You know what the burr method is, right? You've heard that term. We, we use it a lot, um, by, uh, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat, right? You heard that? I have heard that. So are you using that method? And you said after you, you landed next to your mom, you stopped moving into them. So I assume your well, methods changed a little bit. You know, that reminds me. I did refinance a house. I cashed out of it, you know, took my equity out, but kept the house. Mm-hmm. And that I was able to purchase my fifth one was a, one of my clients trying to sell her house. She kept sending buyers to me. It was actually her sister's house, I think, her her sister's husband had gone to jail and she couldn't afford the house. And so she was like, I'm going to put a sign out there and I'm going to send the clients to you. Please get them. I couldn't get anybody approved. Mm-hmm. So after about, probably about eight months, she was like, I don't know. I guess I'm just going to let this go. I just can't deal with this anymore. And she's like, and then my sister put $10,000 into the bathroom in the kitchen just like a couple months ago. And she's like, I could just kill her because we're losing the house. I said, oh, well, wait a minute. (laughs) Where is the house? And she said, would you be, oh, you know what? She had said an investor had come to her and offered her something. And she was just going to let it go that way. And I was like, well, where is it? And so she told me where it was. She said, do you want to come look at it? I was like, yeah, I'll come look at it. Sure enough. Yeah, it was, it was nice. I didn't have to do much to it at all. And um, it was an assumable that's huh. the one that had seven years left on it. Wow. That's so awesome. That was nice. Wow. Taking advantage of deals when they fall in your lap, too, is a huge, huge part of uh, mm-hmm. an investor's journey sometimes, too. You yeah, know? a mean, lot of them have just fallen into my lap. And if you if you don't, you know, raise an eyebrow at those situations and you're like, you know, this could be a good deal for me because mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, you're still helping somebody out even though you're, oh, you're, yeah, you're though, coming out looking nice. Oh, yeah, they were appreciative because I gave them more than the investor would have given them. Yeah. 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 So. I just I gave them some cash and then I assumed the rest assumed of their mortgage. Assumed the rest of the yeah. loan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is what kind of like the subject two situations we're seeing nowadays. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But in these markets that happens a lot. So what's your what about your most cuz as as this journey goes on, I see that the tools and products that investors use become more conventional possibly because they have more, you know, you have more resources to do it. What how, your most recent rental acquisition? How did you acquire that one? Hmm, I don't remember. It was on. It was listed. So he's just becoming old hat now, right? I we know. don't even remember anymore. It's like it's great. It's like we just got money coming in and things happening, <laughs> and this is great. Well, you, you, the, you said you've been flipping them, right? And that's kind lately of lately I've been flipping them. Yeah, that, that's that's where the burst strategy comes in. And I love having someone in the mortgage industry explain why we put the rent before the refinance because that's a that's a big question people ask about the burst strategy. Why do you rent it before you refinance it? It doesn't make sense. And and it's like you said, it's to qualify for that refinance by renting it. Yeah. So, um, and the flip part is the rehab, right? <laughs> it's just a matter of how much rehab you need to put into it. So, yeah. Are you using hard money products to do your flips? I have used them before. Yeah. yeah. See, she's using all these things we talk about. It's real. People do build portfolios this way. So mm-hmm. it's not yeah. just me and John telling you this. Yeah, because so. not that many people have enough cash to just pay cash for a house. Yeah. And sometimes they don't meet financing requirements, so you have to use, you know, hard money or people something. People get caught up in, like, the cost of hard money, right, sometimes stops people. And and 
people get caught up in those things. People get caught up in short-sighted type of decisions like the cost of hard money or the amount of cash flow they're going to make or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And forget to look at the big picture. Like if you hadn't acquired some of these homes, right, in the past, regardless of how much it cost you at the time to acquire them or how much you made at the time, you wouldn't now be making X amount of dollars per month and you wouldn't have X amount of dollars in equity, right? Like you have a ton of equity in each one of these homes and you're making a ton of cash flow. That may not have always been true. Like when you started, you may have put a lot of money out, right? You may not have had as much money per month. And I know every house has its own story and it's probably a little different, but the point being, um, it sounds like you're taking a big, a long picture view of it all instead of being really short-sighted and making those decisions. Right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's just going to agree with me. Well, you did answer all of it for her. So, I, did I mean, why, why not? <laughs> I so. did kind of. What he yeah. said. Yeah, what, what he, he said. said. So, yeah. and, and in, in my question in appreciating the appreciation, like, I'm not going to ask you for the number, but <laughs> people fail to realize that even 12 houses can can increase over time your net worth into a lot, right? Yeah. You know, millionaires are made off 10 houses sometimes and, and it is real. It does happen. So um, I want to give you the opportunity, Shanda, to talk about your what you do. You know, you, you told you were with Service First Mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, what does Service First Mortgage and Shanda Pig provide to, to consumers? Mortgage loans. Mortgage loans. <laughs> <laughs> So I assume people that are listening that are thinking about getting into investing, you could help them. You could help mm-hmm. consult with them and teach them, right? Right. Coach them how to get started, how to become qualified for their first mortgage for the home they mo- live in first, right? <laughs> yeah. And then secondly, maybe even how to buy their first rental property, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's doing it the way you did it or if it's a more conventional way of, you know, saving 20% and putting 20 or 25% mm-hmm. down, right? Yeah, and and there are some cases where you can do 15% down. Yeah. Huh. Um, it's not as common, but, you know, it could happen. Well, and, and we talk a lot about creative financing and all these different tools that can go into an investor's journey to make that make it possible, right? Mm-hmm. What scenario are you in? What tools can you leverage to get this done? Sounds like you've used most of them, yeah. um, if not all of them, you know, uh, but <laughs> most conventional mortgage lenders don't know about all that stuff. I'm not going to... Right. They don't sit. have rental properties, so they're just, exactly. they're just doing the loan. They can't give you advice on... Everything else. Yeah, but. if it's not FHA or conventional, they don't know, they don't know what it is, right? Or, right. Yeah. Or, you know, I have clients that, you know, over the years I've helped them get rental properties and things, and they'll still call me back and say, "Hey, you know, they're not paying the rent or whatever. What do I do?" And I mm-hmm. tell them like, "Okay, we well, have to do this." And, and so they still call me and ask questions, and I'm, I mean, that's my favorite subject just to talk about real estate. <laughs> I love so. it. Can Can you speak to the current, the current market? Um, so meaning one of the things that stops people currently is cash flow, right? Um, interest rates are really high right now. And so when I'm looking at buying a house with the rate, with the prices of, as they've gone up, even though they've slid back a little bit, they haven't slid back enough to really offset the interest rate Mm -hmm. increase. Um, so when you're looking at buying a house, like the type of house that you're talking about that you bought for 50 grand now is 300. <laughs> so if I want to buy a $300,000 house that was built in 1978, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's my interest rate going to be? How am I going to cash flow? Like, how are you helping people that actually want to invest 
do that right now in our current climate. <clears throat> what do you mean like as far as I'm not sure I follow. Well, I guess I'm asking if you have any special products or if you have any special consultation for people. So one thing that we that I've heard a lot of real estate agents like to say is, um, you know, marry the house, date the rate, right? That's right, the exactly. most recent, you know, catchphrase that, that mm -hmm. real estate agents are using to try to entice people to – to not be so caught up in what the rate is because that can change and right. you can refinance out of that rate when, I tell when people things go down. all the time, if rates are 7% today um, and you don't buy, then in a year from now they're at 8%. You're going to be like, dang it, why didn't I buy at 7? Right. Instead of being like, seven's well, too high, I'm not going to do that. So, you know, it is what it is today. Either rates are going to get better, that's what the rumor is. If they get better, you refinance it. If they get worse... You're so glad you got seven right. because everybody else is at nine now. Right. And you, no matter what the case, you're better to own than to give the money to somebody if, like but me. But if you wait a, a year <laughs> or two and you, you your house is now $100,000 more for mm -hmm. at 6%, does it cost you less? No, it's still cost, it's costing you more because of the home price. Right. So, yeah. Um, and as far as rental properties go, the renter's paying for all that stuff. Yeah. They're paying the interest rate. They're paying the taxes. They're paying the insurance. And I'm getting all the write-off. I can take all of that off my taxes. Mm -hmm. So it's win-win. They pay for it. So if at the rate 7%, okay, that's more write-off for me. Have you ever – this is a this is a good question in this market. Have you ever bought one of these rentals and analyzed it at a net zero cash flow or even a negative cash flow, <laughs> knowing that your cash flow is either slim, very slim or, or none? <laughs> me personally, no. Okay. Mm -mm. I would always want to cash flow. Yeah. Um, otherwise, to me, it doesn't really. I mean, and I guess every scenario is different. There might be a case where it does make sense. And I have a lot of investors that don't care about the cash flow, like from mm -hmm. California, that kind of stuff. They know that the appreciation is going to be there. Yeah. So I, for me, I like to have both things. Yeah. I want something that has a little bit of built in equity or I know it's going to appreciate really quickly. And have some cash flow. So is that and, the reason why you're flipping and not keeping some of these? Because I have you're concerned a, I have about enough. not getting the cash flow? <laughs> well, we, we, we asked because we, we talked last week about the different investor strategies that you can take. That mm -hmm. is like you can have the one that you've done with success. Like you said, your investors in California that, that can see – that their strategy is based on appreciation and all these things can work in, in tandem. Mm -hmm. So that's why I asked. I wasn't saying you needed to be one or the other. <laughs> um, it's just interesting to hear what yeah. the different strategies are. Yeah. So, and would you, you know, would you say that your investment strategy has succeeded and the way you've done it has succeeded? Mm -hmm. I've never, I've never lost. I'm going to knock on something, but <laughs> yeah, I've never, even on flips, I've, I've had one where I made like $1,500 profit, mm -hmm. but yeah. That's yeah. still a win. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you learn a lot from those. Yeah. So as Anyone long as you don't lose money, you're winning. Anyone who's ever flipped or flipped consistently <laughs> knows that if yeah, if you if you don't lose money on a flip, then you can't consider it a loss. So. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot to be taught on flips too. People make a lot of mistakes. Oh yeah. And they you know, family member I've my my daughter's in laws were like, We've always wanted to flip a property. Can you I was like, I'll totally help you. So um, they found a property, then they hired a contract, a designer contractor, <laughs> a lady. She came in and said, oh, we're going to do this and do these new floors. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> no. You, you don't put everything that you want in your own house in this. You put enough 
that it looks nice and it's good enough and you find flooring on sale and you, you know, do this yourself, you know, whatever you, every penny that you're paying her is penny you're not making. Mm -hmm. So, but they didn't listen. And so they were, they got really scared and they sold. And, you know, when we went over there last time, they were like, if we would have just held on to it, not panicked, we could have made, you know, $70,000 now. So mm, if only someone had mentioned that yeah. to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've actually sent, we did an episode called uh, Those Flipping Costs, and I've sent it to quite a few people that have it's opened some eyes because it's like, you know, people think yeah, $250,000 property, you could sell for 300000 and they're saying it's thirty grand in repairs, you know. Mm. Does that sound like a good deal to to an no, experienced no, investor? No, because it's not just <laughs> yeah. They think three oh, it's, expenses. It's two fifty. Right? I can sell it for three hundred. I'm gonna make fifty grand. Yeah. No. No. There's costs that add up, and I think at the end of ours, we had a a spreadsheet of probably eighteen different things people don't think about. <laughs> yeah. um, and I guarantee you, designer wasn't on there. No. So <laughs> sure. it wasn't even a consideration. For yeah. Sure. So it's not, the house a, was beautiful. not a necessary cost. It sold really fast and it was beautiful, but yeah, their profit margin was very small. Yeah. I think they still made I think they still made like eight or ten thousand, but they could have made a lot more than that. Remember remember the episode that we did, how you could do this badly and still win? Yeah, exactly. Well in, in the dark side of flipping, right? It's if, right. if you haven't came to a closing table with cash as a seller, then you've done okay. Right. Yeah. Or or you haven't that's the biggest discouragement in flipping, right? When you have to pay to sell your house. Yeah. So again that to me that's more of you know, put it all on paper. Yeah. You know, you can't I don't know. And then trust yourself. Yeah, you just have to trust yourself. That's probably the best advice you can. We try to give, but coming from someone who's done it, right? Mm -hmm. We've done it too, but you know. Yeah, because I I could have easily been like, oh, that's too scary. I'm a single mom. I you know, I'm 25 years old. I wasn't making that much money, so yeah, super scary. What are your? How old are your kids now? My daughter is 25. Okay, and I have a 10 year old son. Wow. Okay. So. So what is your, well, let's, let's, what is your oldest daughter? Like she's watched you go through this journey. How, how does... Oh yes. She's helped me. She knows how to put floors in. She knows how to do drywall painting, Okay, but she won't touch it now. She's like, I'm over it. She's, she's like seen everything you've done and she's scared. She doesn't, she doesn't want to go through the things you've gone through. It's like the wealth building you've created doesn't inspire her to try to do it herself. No, I mean, she brings it up once in a while. Yeah. Like, Hey, let's flip something together, which she means like you find it, you do it, you use all you your resources all the and, and then we split the... the money at the end. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, me, she's me, she's yeah. in the medical field. She didn't Got want it. to go into this. Let me ask you something that, that we don't get to talk about very much, but, um, cause it's not like. It's not an advice piece, but there's all we talk about all this fear and um, the things that may stop people. After doing it and having success in it, do you find any joy or or fun when you know the thing one one doing it all and planning it all? But when that flip works out and then the rental works out, how does that you know on the on the back end of it? How do you feel about it? I feel good. Yeah, yeah. Do I'm proud of them. No regrets. Oh gosh, no. There's nothing to regret. <laughs> Love it. That's that's what that's kind of why 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 we brought you here, Shanda, was to to tell your story, to to paint the picture of how you got where you are, because you didn't get here overnight, right? So somebody didn't just put twelve houses in your lap and say go. Mm -hmm. No, and I didn't and have make to help. a bunch of money, yeah. right? No. You were on your hands and knees putting floors in. You were painting walls. You were doing it one house at a time over the course of it sounds like twenty five, thirty years, right? And so. That's that's what we that's a real picture, right? That's how it really works. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes people can do it a little faster. Sometimes they do it slower for whatever reason. 
But gosh, there's not too high of a percentage of the population, especially single moms, that have 12 <laughs> houses, right? I mean, I bet you that. Or don't know many houses. I bet you have, that percentage is, is pretty <laughs> low, right? I don't know. What Do you know what the percentage of people is that even have a rental property? I don't know. Not, I wonder what that not is. That do we many. know? Why don't we know that answer? We people or that. entities? <laughs> people are too scared. People. I think yeah. people are scared and they don't trust themselves. Yeah. I had somebody, one of my clients recently said um, that she was going to get a divorce and that they were going to sell their house. And I said, okay, well, so you won't get qualified to buy another house? And she said, no, I think I'm just going to rent after this because, you know, it's just a lot to deal. I, f- I forget what her reasoning was, but I'm like, you know, Oh, because she, when she retires or something, or she wants to retire at some point. I said, okay, but when you retire, you're still going to keep renting versus if... Oh. Six, <laughs> so I'm like, Steve's, it, when Steve's you... Steve's the producer over there, being a good producer and, and sharing information with us. I love it. So 6% of the population owns a rental. So oh, wow. I bet you a small percentage of those people own 12 rentals. That was my point, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so... I bet you a high percentage of that 6% is either institutional buyers, institutional, like you said, or they own one home, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I would say. Yeah. That makes sense. Anyways. But anyway, so if you retire and you're renting, you're, you have to rent until you die, basically. I'm like, but if you buy a house now and you when you retire, you may have a house paid off. Like, how does that make sense? If you don't buy, you're going to guarantee yourself to rent for the next for the rest of your life. And she was like, huh, I had never thought of that. So. Well, and, and that's, I had this conversation this week with someone who's a, a lot younger than me, but, it, you know, I made the simple comment of like, you know, you can, you can shoot it down, but you can retire off 10 houses. And they're like, how? That doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, okay, well, you're 20 years old. And in 30 years, if you got, t- in a perfect world, say you got 10 houses today, but let's just ignore that. Say when you're 30, you got 10 houses, right? You spend 20 to 30 getting 10 houses on 30-year mortgages, and 30 years, they're paid off. So when you're 60, they're all paid off. Well, what's the rents on those? You're making two two grand a month, 2,500 a month, whatever it is, times, times 10. that by 10. Can you live off 10, 10, 12 grand a month? What, what do you live off now? You know, like it, it you could even be, um, I use the example of you could be more wealthy at retirement than you were pre-retirement because yeah if you live off five six grand a month you know some a lot of people do that's not that bad and then you retire living off 10 grand a month you know that sounds pretty good and if you take a long-term view of it like that and it's a it's like like shanda's doing and like i do you know we look at it as our our retirement plan right then you know you can even do a 15 year right and and pay those off quicker right if you're if you're older if you're not 20 and now you're 40 and you're starting this well, well okay, when then, when then uh, when interest years. rates are zero that's a good time to do that yeah. but the last question <laughs> he asked me was well what if i, I want to retire and have extra uh, nest egg of money too to go do stuff and i'm like okay sell one of them now you have now you have nine thousand a month yeah. in but cash over the flow. last thirty years you've had these you're gonna have a nest egg yeah. if you don't have a nest egg I don't know what you're doing yeah and this was this is you know this this is a conservative example the numbers are probably better than this you know you, you a few of those thirty year mortgages rolled off before you were sixty you know a whole bunch of things but sell one of them for half a million dollars or whatever right. it's worth keep the other nine and now you got your cash flow and your nest egg so yeah and uh, I've I've bought and sold I've sold some of my rentals and and stuff over the years to help me leverage to get two more out of that, yeah. or, you know, whatever. So yeah, over the years I have, 
I have sold several of my rental properties. Yeah. I mean, and then uh, I'll pick up another one or, you know, whenever they fall into your lap. And we've admitted we've done the same thing. You know, you make a decision on every everyone. Sometimes you decide to flip it for certain reasons and, mm-hmm. and sell it or... or yeah, yeah. If you know one, like I had one recently that was built in like 1960 um, and people were fighting over it. it was, I turned it into <laughs> a really nice... But for me, 1960, yeah, if I keep that for 10 years, probably going to run into some problems. Yeah. And so probably not want to keep that one. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we at, at the end of the day, if nobody did this, this is something a lot of people don't think about. But if nobody did these, these houses would just be sitting and getting deteriorated, and there'd just be less houses, and rent rates would go up. So everybody loves to blame landlords and investors and stuff. But if there weren't any investors and landlords, you'd just have houses that go to crap and less houses available out there. Yep. So it it does help the rent problem. Even if it's only by 6%, you know, uh, 6% compounds pretty quickly. So. <laughs> well, it was it was definitely a pleasure having you in and, and hearing you. your journey, Shanda. Um, I, I thank you for coming. How do people reach you? 817-360-0996. Or you can go on my website, shandapig.com. Two Pigs G's. Two, two G's, G's, yeah. Double Gur. Double Gur, I like it. <laughs> double Gur, I love it. You, you definitely have an extremely memorable and unique name, mm-hmm. right? Shanda Pig yes. and with Service First Mortgage. Sounds like she is somebody that you could call if you are thinking about buying for your primary residence, right? Mm-hmm. And or investment property. It sounds like she could coach you through that process and, and get you through that. Shanda and I... Um, we recently reconnected, so we met um, originally on the soccer field, right? Yeah. We played indoor soccer together and reconnected in the courthouse, right? <laughs> yeah. Doing doing an eviction. <laughs> we were both doing an eviction and, and reconnected right there. So um, thanks for doing this for us, Shanda. I appreciate it very much. This Kyle and I, this is what we love doing the most, right? We love sharing with people, encouraging people, inspiring people, and it's so much easier to do out of the mouth of somebody else with a with a story. Everyone everyone's probably tired of hearing Kyle and I's story, but but to hear a, a new unique story is really refreshing, and we appreciate it very much. Thank you. Close us out, Kyle. Yeah, if you guys want to uh, hear anything about any any journeys or uh, connect with Shanda, if you didn't, if you missed that information, we are happy to pass it along. Give us a call 817-818-9039. Shoot us an email at show me the money at wertpm Thanks for tuning in, and we are out.